Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. Good morning, church. The reason why I'm not using the pulpit is because it wasn't made for people like me. Uh, it's not my fault. It's good to be with you this morning, and uh, I hope we are going to um, learn something from God's words together. Um, and let me just pray for us, and then we will look into God's word. Father, thank you so much for your word, precious word, holy word, ever true, changing me and changing you. I pray that God, your word will do just that this morning. As it is preached, I pray that you will correct us, you will encourage us, but you'll also, God, show yourself to us um, so that we may live for you and God uh, find our delight in you. Change us, I pray. And Lord Jesus, really reveal yourself to us this morning. This we pray in Jesus' precious and glorious name. Amen. Amen. A friend of mine was the pastor of a church. At the time of his calling to take up the pastoral responsibility of that church, 60 members were, <coughs> excuse me, 60 people attended the service. Six years later, the membership grew to about 60, 600 rather. And he planted three other congregations in other parts of the country. One can say all was going well. Until one morning, when arriving at the church, he found the doors locked. And a crowd of people made up of members of the church who was pastoring, standing outside, and they refused him access into the church. He was told right there that they did not want him anymore. His time there as the pastor of the church had come to an end, and he needed to leave. He begged them to tell him what's wrong he had done to address the issue and find a solution to the problem, if there was any. He was troubled in his spirit and attempted to reach out to the leadership to get answers from them, but all his efforts were in vain. The pain was intense that he developed ulcers. He decided to leave the country, went away, studied theology, and obtained his PhD. However, he vowed never to go back to full-time ministry ever again. My friend was hurt by the people he loved and served for several years without committing a crime. 
And today from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16 to 18, I would like to talk to you about the two unavoidable or inevitable realities of the Christian or ministry life so that you can be encouraged, even when hurt, to look to God for comfort and strength. Let's read together 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16 to 18. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16 to 18. The Bible says, At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Before we tackle uh, the passage, allow me to give you the background so that you can understand what's happening here in 2 Timothy, especially chapter 4, 16 to 18. Paul is under arrest. In a cold, dark, stinking, filthy, gross dungeon, probably with 20 to 30 men. The place has no sanitation. The city sewage system running by with only doors separating it with which would lead the sewage inside his cell. How do we know that Paul was under arrest? Well, I'm glad you asked. If you look in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, or chapter 1, rather, verse 16, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says, May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. And again, in chapter 2, verse 8 to 9, he says, Remember Jesus Christ, Risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Allow me to say that this wasn't, wasn't Paul's first imprisonment. It happened before. But the difference is that this time around, Paul is not very optimistic about coming out alive. How do I know that? Again, well, I'm glad you asked. Turn with me to chapter 4, verse 6. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Paul says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. So now that we know of Paul's conditions, let's go to our passage. Verse 16. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. 
And the first point I would like to share with us this morning, the first reality is that Christian, you can be hurt by those you love. Or you will be hurt by those you love. The Roman judicial system allowed a person to receive two hearings. The first one was called prima axio, used to establish the charge against the accused and determine if there was a need for a trial. And the second hearing was called the secunda axio, used to establish the accused guilt or innocence. Paul is here referring to the first hearing when saying, at my first defense, no one came to stand by me. Paul's crime was to be the defender and preacher of the gospel. He is in a courtroom probably filled with people from different nations because Rome was a cosmopolitan city. Among them, possibly Nero or his representative. Now Paul looks around the courtroom for some familiar faces of his friends or companions in the faith, but he sees no one. He keeps looking for the faces of those he evangelized, those he served and loved by living a selfless life for their sake and that of the gospel. Those for whom he was mistreated, going from one city or one town to the other. But again, he sees no one. There is no one to stand by his side. No one to speak for him. No one to defend him. No one to testify that he was not a criminal. Paul is alone. He has been deserted. In chapter 1, verse 16 of Second Timothy, he says these words to Timothy. He said, no, that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. Paul has been deserted, left alone. Probably memories of all his missionary journeys are flooding his mind. The sacrifices he made to train and teach men and women, equipping them with the gospel of Christ, playing a pastoral role by crying with those who are crying, by rejoicing with those who are rejoicing, sharing with so many, teaching and strengthening them in their faith. Equipping them for the work of ministry, investing into their lives, providing for their needs the best way he could, counseling and solving their marital problems, struggling before God in prayer on their behalf as any pastor will do. Visiting them, comforting them when they were downcast and broken. But now that he needed them to be by his side, to support him by testifying that he was not a criminal, but a defender of the gospel, the gospel that changed their lives. Unfortunately, he sees no one. That might have hurt him. Was it worth it to endure so much suffering to reach those people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Listen to Paul's description of the sufferings he endured during his missionary journeys. Turn with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 
verse 23 to 33. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 23 33. Paul says, As a servant of Christ, I am a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from the other things, listen to this, there is a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to fall and I'm not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, He who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under Aretas was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. Church Paul suffered all this for the church. For the people he had to reach with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Based on this description, it is normal to think or to expect that he needed their presence in court. But they weren't there. Now the normal reaction from any human being who experienced this kind of treatment from those he loved would be either bitterness anger, or even cursing the day of their involvement in the work of the Lord for the disappointment suffered. But Paul does the opposite. What is it that he does? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 16b. Paul says, may it not be charged against them. May it not be charged against them. In other words, Paul is saying, yes, it is true that I'm hurt, but I forgive them. I forgive them. Paul understood that forgiveness was the godly remedy to the pain of disappointment he was suffering. Surely they must have had a reason that prevented his companions to come and support him on that day. He might have said, In case you do not know, Nero, the emperor, had gone on a rampage persecuting Christians, killing and covering their bodies with wax and setting them on fire to light his garden. 
He sewed some in animal skins and threw them toward animals for dinner. There were circumstances at play, and Paul chose to forgive his companions by saying, may not be held against them. When Stephen was murdered, which is found in Acts chapter 7, verse 16 to chapter 8, verse 1, a certain man was present. And the Bible says of that man that he approved the murder of Stephen. While he stood there watching Stephen about to breathe his last, he heard him utter these words, Lord, do not hold this against them. Who was that man? None other than Paul, called Saul at that time. He learned forgiveness from Stephen. But more than that, he learned from the master himself, from our Lord Jesus Christ. It was on the cross that Jesus said, after being betrayed by one of his disciples, hated for no reason by those he loved, those he fed, those he taught, those he healed, those he set free from demon possession, he cried out on the cross, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Perhaps a question to ask this morning is, is it easy to forgive? I think the answer is no. It is not. But listen to me, church. It is the godly thing to do. It is the godly thing to do because it frees one from the bondage of hurt and anger. And it leads to delighting in the Lord again. Refusing to forgive steals one's joy and peace. In fact, it is a sin. Do you want me to prove how true this is? Okay, I'm glad you asked. Let me ask you this question. How do you feel when you hear someone mention the name of the person who hurts you? How do you feel? How do you feel when you hear someone mention the name of the person who has hurt you? How do you feel when you see them around you? Do you feel like your blood is boiling inside you? When you see them coming in the opposite direction, do you cross the road to avoid them? A friend and former colleague said these words to me once and I've never forgotten them. She said this, Refusing to forgive someone who has hurt you is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Church, please listen to me. We sinned and continue to sin against God. When we go to him to ask for forgiveness, he forgives us. God forgave you and he still forgives us. On the cross, he crushed his only son with the full weight of his fury for our redemption and forgiveness. 
Jesus was innocent. Jesus was sinless. But for our sake, he became sin. And the father poured out his wrath on him. So if the father has forgiven sinners that we are. Sinners deserving of his wrath and hell for eternity. How dare we refuse to forgive those who have hurt us. When people sin against you. Irrespective of how painful it is. Nothing. Nothing else but forgiveness must be offered. God has blessed me with a beautiful half. One I call my one and only. A beauty is not just external, but also internal. Even though she's still a sinner needing God's grace on a daily basis. I think in the past I've shared with you about her. She's been an orphan from the age of three. One particular Sunday in the year 2000, I was at church and Stella's cousin came telling me that my father is looking for you and that will be Stella's uncle. So we left together and go to the house around nine in the morning. I asked why he had sent for me and explained that an incident had happened. Another one of Stella's cousins had attacked her and provoked for Mahala. He was blaming his family's misfortunes on my wife's deceased mother. I asked to see her, and here was the woman I loved coming out of the house, bleeding from the lower lip, struggling to walk because the cousin had broken a wooden stool on her back. She insisted that we go to church together. So we went to church, and after church, we went to my family. I explained the situation to my parents, and I said, well, not a problem. If they cannot take care of her, let us know. We will look after her, which is what we did with their permission. The following day, I went to see my parents and also to see her. And my mom said she's in the room. I went to the room, and the room was slightly open. The door was slightly open. And here she was uh, praying. And church, I've never forgotten that prayer to this day. And this is how she prayed. God, I don't have a father to call mine, nor a mother to protect me because my mother is dead. But now you are my father and my mother. Thank you for coming into my life and for allowing me to forgive my cousin who has hurt me without a reason. Church, my jaw hit the floor. I couldn't believe that she will be so quick to forgive. While, to be honest with you, I was planning on how to go and pay the cousin a visit and hug him like real men will do. But God changed my heart on that day as I heard my wife pray. Instead of focusing on a hurt, Stella chose 
to shift your attention to the Lord. Instead of focusing on her hurt and become miserable for the rest of her life, she looked to God and was freed from hatred. She was freed from anger. She was freed from bitterness. I saw a love that cousin again and showed great concern for him whenever he was unwell. I saw that. The question then becomes, have you got people in your heart that you have not forgiven because of the hurt they caused you? God expects nothing from you but to forgive them because he forgave you and he still forgives you. Friends, the reality is one day you will be hurt by those you love. It's a guarantee. You might be saying, no, I love everybody. I get along with everybody and everybody loves me back. Well, breaking news, it will happen if it hasn't happened yet. Instead of focusing on her hurt, as I said, and becoming miserable for the rest of of her life, Stella looked to God and was freed. Now in verse 17, Paul models that perfectly to us. He shifts his attention from man to God, which leads us to our second point, which is the Lord will always be there for his children. The Lord will always be there for his children. Look at verse 17. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. Paul understood that men, people, or human beings will disappoint and hurt you, if even me. But God will never do such a thing. In verse 17, Paul is contrasting two realities. That of abandonment and loneliness, which produce hurt and pain, to that of companionship, which produces strength, peace, joy, beyond understanding. And notice, it is not just any kind of companionship. Not man's companionship because people have deserted him. He longed for their presence, but no one was there. Those he shared so much of life with were nowhere to be found. Comfort from men failed to arrive. The warmth of friendship and words of encouragement to lift his spirit were nowhere to be found. For Paul... It was either he continues to be depressed by the hurt and disappointment of loneliness or do something about it. It was either he continued to look to men or shift his attention on God, which he does so beautifully. He says, but the Lord stood with me. He understood that all along, God was right there with him. When his attention was on men, the God of all comfort was standing right there. Not only with him, but within him. Church, God will always be there for his children. God will always be there for his children. And I think that's a beautiful and comforting truth, isn't it? 
No matter what you experience as a Christian, let me tell you, God will be there for his children. He brings comfort. He brings peace. He calms our fears. And he satisfies us with his presence even when times are hard. David says in Psalm 27 verse 10, For my father and mother forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. This is a reference to the two dearest people in one's life. Paul says there is a possibility that they might abandon you. But God will never do such a thing. He will always be there no matter what. It is impossible that he abandons any of his children. He is never too busy not to care. Never will you call on his name and get an answering machine with the message, I am on holiday in Mauritius. Please leave a message and I'll get back to you when I return. God does not operate like that. He is always available for his children. And he feels what they feel. And church, that is our God. Psalm 46 verse 1 says of him, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Paul was strengthened. He was infused with energy by God to stand in front of that crowd. For what purpose? Again, verse 17 says, To proclaim the full gospel of our glorious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so that all the Gentiles might hear it. Paul proclaiming the gospel in that context was the fulfillment of the prophecy that Christ spoke about him in Acts 9 verse 15. Christ said of Paul to Ananias, But the Lord had said to me, Go for is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for day, Paul was facing the crowd. God infused him with his energy, and Paul stood in their presence, fearless, and proclaimed, as verse 17 says, the full message of the gospel, so that all the Gentiles might hear it. Including Nero, or his representative. Christ was proclaimed on that day. Paul had nothing to fear because he who was with him was greater than he who was standing in front of him. Church, when God is with you, he takes care of the fear that controls you. I read of a man called John Patton whose heart was surrounded by cannibals in the new Hebrides. He reproved them, laid in bed, and quoted Jesus' promise, I am with you always, while cannibals were outside his hut. He said to himself, this is a precious promise. Knowing Jesus was in the hut with him, he slept peacefully. That was Paul's experience. 
And he said it again. He rescued me from the lion's mouth. The end of verse 17. I do not know the content of the sermon Paul preached. But no doubt it was about Christ. He certainly pointed to the holiness of God. Showing them how sinful they were and in need of a savior. He then pleaded with them to turn to Christ Jesus in faith for the forgiveness of their sins. To receive God's gift of salvation and escape the wrath and judgment to come. Paul's circumstances did not prevent him from fulfilling God's calling on his life. He did not fear the crowd nor his accusers. He did not let fear take control of him, but he used that God-given opportunity to proclaim the good news, the gospel that saves men and makes them right with God. Let me ask you this. Do you know why God has placed you where you are? How are you doing in that context? How do you serve and represent God when you find yourself in a difficult or hostile environment? Are you using every opportunity given to you to make him known by reaching out or are you excelling in criticisms, complaints, gossip, and negativity? And also environments can be depressing and toxic. I've heard of working conditions that make employees go into panic mode on Sunday night as they dread facing their employers or managers on Monday morning. Oh, I pray that God will protect and open another door for those in such places. But I also pray that God uses you for his glory while still in such a place. For you to shine the light of Christ before taking a decision regarding the future. But do not forget, even in that environment, God is with you. Let's look at verse 18 before we close. The Bible says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. God kept Paul. When his life was in danger, God was with him. He knew that despite all his difficulties, his loneliness, deprivation, evil deeds, temptations, men's plots against his life, other imprisonments, other accusations and pain, the Lord will bring him into his kingdom. In other words, Paul knew that heaven was guaranteed. A reward for serving God faithfully. Loneliness, difficulties, and pain will come our way. But I want to plead with you this morning, church. Please look to God. God spoke to Paul about his promises. And they kept him going. When I was preparing this message, I thought of our pastors. And I would like to address them briefly as I'm closing. In case you didn't know, let me inform you, church, that ministry is tough. Ministry 
is hard. The past few years have especially been very challenging for them. Today I want to say that I thank God for these men. I thank God for their ministry here at Central, for their example, and for who they are to us. I thank God for Pastor Charles, for Pastor Isaac, for Pastor Jabu, for Pastor Mark. Church, let us appreciate them. Do not be shy to say that you appreciate them. Let's pray for them. They need that. And let's make their ministry to us as pleasant as possible. The writer of Hebrews said in chapter 13, verse 7, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Then in verse 17, Obey them and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. But I also like to tell them, it is possible for you to get hurt by serving central. If it hasn't happened yet, it can happen. But I also want you to know that God will always be there for you as you serve him. Let's serve him with the energy that he infuses in you. To proclaim his excellencies and make his name known among those who do not know him yet. Do it fiercely, for the Lord is with you. Serve him faithfully. Your rewards await. Heaven is guaranteed. And Paul to say, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, help us, I pray. Help us as a church. Help us as believers, help our pastors, help our leaders as we serve you, as we do ministry, as we live for you. We can be hurt by those we love. But Father, thank you for the reminder that you will always be there for your children and for your servants. And thank you again for the promise that for those who serve you faithfully, those who have placed their faith in Christ, heaven is guaranteed. Bless this church. Bless your people. Bless our pastors. And use them for your glory. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.